Hello everyone, this is episode 55 of the Gen X Photography Podcast, and uh, I'm your host Mario Piper. Um, Before we uh, enter the actual episode, I just wanted to say a few things. Uh, First of all, I'm sorry about the lack of podcast in April. We just had so many things going on on every single weekend, and so it was very stressful to try to think of... Uh, how we could fit in the podcast. So I'm very sorry that um, everyone missed out on uh, an April episode, but we're back. (laughs) So fear not, we're going to stay here. Um, I love doing the podcast and I love my co-hosts, Julian and Suzanne, and uh, love uh, doing things uh, with them as far as the podcast go. And I love having the guests on and just talking everything about photography. So Fear not, we're not going anywhere, at least for <laughs> the foreseeable future. Um, just needed t- to take a break for the month of April because, again, so much going on. So we're back. Um, so in this episode, we uh, talk with Elliot Tolar from Colorado and uh, about his wonderful photography and just uh, just a nice chat about photography and what it, how it fits into his life. And uh, so we hope you enjoy the episode. But before we get into the episode, I do have a few uh, thank yous to get out. So first of all, I wanted to say thank you to Stephen Marmaroff uh, for sending Julie uh, the uh, lens boards for her Graflexes so she could uh, retrofit some other lenses that she has from uh, a larger 4x5 camera onto her Graflexes and get more versatility into those uh, beautiful Graflex cameras. And uh, Stephen, you also sent me some film, and so I just wanted to wanted to thank you for uh, doing that for Julie and sending me some f- uh, film to shoot. I always appreciate uh, the you know getting new film, and I look forward to shooting it. And on that note, I also want to say a sincere thank you to. Uh, Billy Sanford, a uh, former guest on our podcast and uh, host of the Music and Photography podcast for uh, sending me some film, uh, a nice uh, selection of uh, black and white and uh, color film um, that uh, he generously gave to me. And so, uh, Billy, thank you again for sending that uh, to me, and I really, truly appreciate it. Um, I've uh, shot a couple of the roles so far and am enjoying it uh, thus far. And uh, on that note, also, I want to say a sincere thanks to Daniel Smith for sending me a nice um, stainless steel developing tank along with a few rolls of um, microfilm as well as uh, Vision 3 film. And I'm looking forward to shooting uh, each one of those, especially the microfilm, because it has no sprocket holes, so that's going to be interesting, and the base is yellow. <laughs> so I'm uh, looking forward to uh, completing those. And uh, again, thank you, Daniel, for uh, sending me those, and as well as the the correspondence back and forth about how to process them and how to shoot them and all that. I really appreciate it. And uh, last but not least... I wanted to say a, a sincere thank you to Ken Bertram, who was very generous uh, to send me uh, 
some rolls of uh, Lomochrome Turquoise. Now, uh, he and I had a little chat. He knows that I do love that, that film stock. And so uh, I'm just very grateful uh, to you, Ken, for uh, sending me uh, those rolls of film. And um, I'll put them to good use, <laughs> as you well know. So thank you um, again, uh, Stephen, Billy, um, Daniel, and Ken for sending the, the film and the uh, lens boards and just just supporting us in our endeavors for photography. I really, truly appreciate it. All right, well, uh, enough of that, and now we'll get on with the show. I hope you enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to episode 55 of the Gen X Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Mario Piper. And of course, with me today are my dear co-hosts, Julian Piper and Suzanne Lopez. Uh, Julian, how you doing? Awesome. Thank you. Good. <laughs> awesome. Suzanne, how you doing? Also awesome. <laughs> I'm that's, doing great. Thank you. That's awesome. Spring is in the air, right? Yes. Loving it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, today we have a wonderful guest with us, also from Colorado, who, someone who knows Suzanne in person, and that is Elliot Talar. Elliot, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Absolutely. Well, Elliot, we're excited to talk with you. Um, you know, looking through your Instagram uh, portfolio, your photography is just well, you said in one post something about quiet photography, and that's the sense that I get through all of your photography. It's really calm and peaceful. Uh, your nature photography, your portraiture, and everything in between. It's just really peaceful and quiet, and I, I like that. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, before we get started with the actual interview, I just want to find out how everybody's been doing in the last... Well, <laughs> we haven't done the podcast since uh, since March, so... We took a month off in April. Thank you, everyone, for being patient with us. Um, and we're back. So what's what's new with this all? So we'll start with you, Julian. What's new? What's been new with you? Not necessarily in the past week, but just since we last talked. Um, well, I thought I was done taking pictures. Yeah. And I didn't take any for about a whole month. Maybe <laughs> because we didn't do the podcast. Who knows? Um, but... Suzanne and Mario helped me talk through it a little bit. They didn't know they were, but they did. And um, then I went to the camera shop to pick up my babies that I had left there. And I ended up buying more cameras, <laughs> which put me on a spree of testing new cameras, which has been fun. I think I've one. I got a Jewel, a Zeiss Icon Jewel that I've been playing with and... The tiniest box camera ever made. Oh man! According so to my cameraman, so I, that might not be right, but I'll show you guys because you can see it's a baby Zeiss Icon box. It's oh, super cute, and it's a half frame camera. Should have oh, called in on the Camerosity podcast. They just did half frames. Oh, <laughs> what kind of film does that take again? One twenty-seven. Okay. Yep, and I tested a 127 Baby Brownie Special, 
that I got a long time ago and never used. So I've just been playing with cameras. Oh, and Ag, um, not Agfa, Ansco Sure Shot box camera, which I think is so far my favorite box camera that I've you, used. You got good images from that, right? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. Not nice. I like it's, them. It's so fascinating these old old cameras that still take just wonderful photos, you know, with very limited shutter speeds and all that, and you can still get amazing images. It, it's it's fascinating. <laughs> oh, I played with that Diana too. That 1960s Diana that makes like angry pictures. <laughs> <laughs> they all come out like like the end of the world, which I kind of <gasps> like, but <laughs> we're in the like moody photography, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Dark and moody. Dark and moody. <laughs> uh, well, Suzanne, how have you been? Since been, we last chatted. <laughs> yeah, I've been great. Um, I'm trying to think. My The most prominent thing is actually something that just happened yesterday, which, Elliot, I should have messaged you. You would have loved to have gone to this. So the the Not Another Film Lab was the one who sponsored the uh, workshop that I took on flash photography with film. So they were partnering with the Denver Photo Swap people, <laughs> and they had a, a photo swap yesterday. So Chris and I went down there and you just basically you just take an eight by 10 and you didn't even have to. I mean, if you just wanted to go and hang out and meet other photographers, that would be fine, too. But everybody brought one. I brought two. Chris brought two. A bunch of people brought like a small stack, you know, and just kind of tossed them out on the table and you were able to swap. Some of them were for sale, like real minimal. It wasn't like, you know, hundreds of dollars, but, you know, 20 bucks for a, like a matted print I saw on the table. But it was so fun because we you know, you just meet more of your local community. I have such a great broad network online and don't know that many people here, but yeah. getting to, like I, I ran into another Elliot who was the instructor for the uh, workshop and then three people that were at that workshop out of eight of us. So four out of eight of us were there. Wow. Um, so it was it was just super cool. So Elliot, maybe you can go next time. I'll, I'll awesome. Yeah, I'll let you know if for some reason you don't see it pop up but um it was it was very fun get to connect with the local community and i want to roll a film from not wow. another film lab the, the nice. new candido I, oh. I don't know if any i haven't obviously i haven't shot it yet i bought a couple rolls when i was there and then i found out last night that i won one so after we record i'm going to go down and grab it but i'm excited to shoot they have uh 200 400 and 800 speed so i bought a couple 200s and i might depending on whatever she's giving me I might request a 400 just to have something different, but you know, cool. things like that, shooting for 52 frames. I've been getting in the dark room a little bit and just enjoying the nicer weather. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The Candida film, is that, um, is that the same as the arrow color and the, Oh, oh like the Lum Lumiere or whatever. Luminar, I, yeah. I don't know. I, okay. she, I don't know that she knows. Um, and I don't know. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I was trying to do some research, like find out what emulsion it was, and I, I didn't really get very far with it. But it's it's cool. It's a cool. Look, I've seen some develop that that she's developed in her lab. Um, so. But it's a color negative film. Color negative. Okay. Yes. Cool. Cool. Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing what you get from it. Yeah. Me too. Uh, when I actually load up some color, but I, this will inspire me to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, Elliot, how about you? What you've been doing? 
lately? And I know we'll get more into this in the podcast and yeah. in the interview, but just as of lately. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it's the last, I would say the last couple of weeks, I just got back from uh, a trip in Mexico City, um, shot, I think, five rolls of, uh, of medium format film that I have mostly developed. I haven't got into scanning it yet. It's, uh, it's always a backlog, especially with with yeah. uh, with little kids running around, it's just like do what you can and then leave it yep. to dry and come put it in the sleeve. But I'm yep. really excited to get into that and see what I have. Um, shot mostly some expired Tri-X that I picked up from a guy off Facebook. Uh, expired in '99. Nice. Um, I've it was a little bit of a gamble. I, I didn't have time before leaving to run a test roll through to see like what kind of fogging it might have. So I kind of took a gamble and just shot it. I ended up shooting it at 200 ISO the whole time. Um, and they look maybe a touch underexposed, but it looks pretty good from the negatives. So we'll see. We'll see how they turn out. Um, cool. So excited to see that. And I shot a little bit of Foma Pan uh, 400, which is my my go-to all the time. So uh, I hear a lot of people shooting Foma Pan, and I must say, unless it's been rebranded, like rebranded Foma Pan as something else, I've yeah. never shot direct Foma Pan before, and I think yeah. I'm missing the magic. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's. Like a lot of things with, with film photography and like especially my personal journey with it, it starts out as a budgetary concern. It's like, well, this is uh, so much cheaper than Kodak or Ilford. And, yeah. um, so I started shooting it and played around with developers until I found something I like. It's definitely really, um, really not, I wouldn't say picky with developers, but you can get some wildly different results out of film paint because it does kind of have a chunky crane. And um, so, yeah, playing around with developers, I've, I really love it now that I've yeah, I shoot it and I shoot that in four by five as well. Nice. Um, it's just kind of my across the board, use it all the time. So, but yeah, Mexico City, excited to see all that. Uh, before that, really, I've been in very much a, haven't been shooting a lot, been a very, very busy, um, busy stage of life the last few months. So I'm excited to see some of these I have. Um, I have, so I have the five rolls that I shot in Mexico City, and then I developed another two rolls that had just been sitting in my little dark bag for weeks that I've shot over the in the beginning year of 2023. So I've got quite a backlog to work through and I'm hopefully going to, you know, the processing and scanning going to get my little creative uh, engine going again here. But yeah. That's cool. That's cool. It's nothing like a, tr there's nothing like a trip to kind of reinvigorate you, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, um, without going too much into it, are you, do you have Mexican heritage? No, not at all. No, um, okay. I I don't really. Yeah, I don't really know. I think my last name is Polish, probably, but um, not really oh, sure. Oh, <laughs> Tolar. Okay. Reason yeah. why is my um, my sister in law. Her husband. Uh, her husband's family is from Mexico as well, and their last name is Tovar, with oh, a V. <laughs> oh, interesting. No, so. yeah, we just uh, my wife and I had wanted to go to Mexico City. Had been on our list for a while um, since before the pandemic, even when. Um, I think Southwest started flying there directly and that kind of like made us look at it and be like, Oh, we should go. And so we finally got around to going. It was a great time. We were there for five days. Okay. Yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. That's cool. Well, I'm glad you had a safe journey <laughs> and yeah. got some good, uh, good, uh, exposures out of it too. So yeah, yeah. excited to see him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know for me recently, um, there's a, a guy that works at a thrift store that knows I'm into photography. And so he always saves aside any cameras to give me kind of like the first dibs before he puts it on the shelves for other people. And uh, he told me about 
something he found, and I scheduled the time to come in to see him. I got there, and there's this big trunk, big metal trunk, and in it was a oh, Graflex. Wow. <laughs> How cool is that? Exactly. A Graflex, um, speed, gra- yeah, speed graphic, 12 yeah. film holders, right-way film holders, um, and a bunch of other miscellaneous things, plus some film that was already in it. So I'm not sure what's exposed, what's not exposed. I might develop it. I'm not sure, but I'm excited to to start doing large format photography. But it's in really good working condition. <laughs> but Mario, yeah. how much did he charge you? Oh, ten dollars. How much did he charge you? Oh my goodness, what a treasure! <laughs> For a mint condition I, graph. I know. What a ten- treasure. What's that? I said, what a treasure. Those are such such lovely cameras, and to find one in that good condition mm. in general is great. True. Yeah. True. I, I was blown away. So I'm just, I'm looking forward to using it. And Elliot, I'm looking forward to talking with you about large format <laughs> photography. Yeah, I love large format. So I'm ready to talk about it. <laughs> okay. Um, the next thing uh, recently that I did, and I did a little post about it, but I wanted, I've been wanting to try to cross process color negative film to make a positive image, mm-hmm. basically slide film. And I found this video. Uh, I can't remember what the channel is, but I'll make sure to put it, put his channel in the show notes. But basically, you shoot your color negative film two stops. You you overexpose by two stops. So if you're shooting it, it's, if it's bo- if the box speed is at 200, you shoot it at 50. And I wanted to do Lomochrome Turquoise, so I shot it at 50. Developed it in HC 110 Dilution B for 12 minutes at 105 degrees, which was weird. (laughs) Black and white chemistry at 105 degrees. Um, And then stopped bath and rinsed, and then took the film out, exposed it to light for 15 to 20 seconds, put it back on the reel, developed it in color negative or C41 chemicals for two minutes um, because I overexposed it and then blixed it for 12 minutes. And it was so cool. It's not like looking at, say, ectochrome. It's not a slide like that. It's definitely, you can tell it's a color negative film, but as a slide, it's so weird. And uh, so I scanned it and I I was pretty happy with the results. So initially I wasn't, initially I was like, I don't know if I want to do this again, but thinking about it more deeply i'm thinking i'd like to try this again with maybe some other kind of film and then lastly i'm going through a role i'm trying to be really careful with my shots of kodak eir the uh infrared color negative or color positive film um they don't make it anymore i wish they did but i have i had one last role so i'm just waiting for good weather trying to be very selective with my shots so I can get that, you know, the wonderful infrared look. So I'm uh, excited to see, and I'll make sure to post some images once I develop them. So, but anyways, all right, well, let's get on into our um, interview. So before we, I think what we'll do is uh, just ask you the first question, Elliot, which is how you got into film photography and then do our Facebook question. And then we'll just kind of chat afterward, if that's okay with you. That's great. Okay. So, Elliot, how did you get into photography? What's your story? Yeah, it's a great question. Honestly, I hadn't thought about it a lot. I, I definitely had a digital camera before I got into film. Um, 
have some family and in-laws and friends that are in um, video, the video world, cinematography, that side of thing, and photography. So I had like some some contact there. Um, I got my first film camera. I'm trying to remember. I believe it was an Olympus XA. It was the first first one that I picked up. Nice. A little point and shoot. I shot maybe two rolls out of it and it stopped working. I love the cameras, but they they don't they don't uh, they're old. Yeah. Um, uh, and that was then it was fine. But then I got a Canon FTB, and that's whenever I really um, really started enjoying it. I took that everywhere with me, and I really love that camera to this day. It's it doesn't work anymore, unfortunately. But uh, um, that would have been, gosh, I don't remember how long ago that would have been. I guess maybe 20, 2017, maybe, whenever I started that. Um, but yeah, I just had friends and family that shot, and so I started doing it myself. And eventually, um, like I mentioned earlier, I decided I'm, I'm going to start developing my black and white film myself just to save a little bit of money. And yeah. um, and that just kind of started this whole thing where I um, – I never set out to only shoot black and white. That wasn't really something on my radar, but I really fell in love with it and uh, and the way that you see the world with it. And so, yeah, just kind of, I still have some color film sitting around and I'll probably shoot it eventually, but mostly it's just black and white nowadays. Yep. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, if you don't mind uh, me asking, and if you don't want to answer that's fine, but how old are you? I'm 26. 26, okay. So, for me, what I'm, I guess what, what I'm wondering is how someone, you know, of your age, you know, what, what makes you interested in this, these old cameras? What, what sparks that curiosity? That's a great question. You know, I think, I think I heard people talk about it and say that it was like, you know, just such a different shooting experience. And, um, and, and I think that is true. I, I definitely like really loved it. I really just love, and I still do, I love mechanical things. Yeah. Um, most of the cameras that I still have and that I've that I've adored the most uh, over the years have been just these mechanical cameras that are just really little marvels of engineering. And, and I, I think that was a big attraction for me was the um, the, the visceral hands-on aspect of it as well. Another reason that I started um, started developing my own my own film and I've always been very like DIY and very into doing things myself. And I, I found that all very attractive and um, yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed as well the uh, the limited um, the limited aspect of it. You know, I, I would you know thirty six shooting medium format and large format now mostly thirty six frames sounds like an immense amount of photos <laughs> to take, but at the time it wasn't, and uh, and I really enjoyed that aspect of it as well. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I I think for maybe a lot of us, a lot of those sentiments are are true, no matter what our age is. That we. Yeah. Uh, we just love the tactility of it. We love, like you said, the mechanical nature of these old cameras and the fact that after decades of time, they still work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really, I mean, my day to day, what I shoot with 90% of the time probably is my Rolly flex and it's, uh, it's an old model. It's before they started putting the planars in. It's an old device, um, Tessar type. And it's from, I, I looked at the serial number. It's from the mid fifties and it just works like a charm. That's cool. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, we have one one um, question from uh, faith, our Facebook um, page, the Gen X Photography Podcast Facebook page, from Chris, Christina Thomas, and it touches on black and white. 
do you mainly stick with black and white? And also, is there anything new you'd like to try in film photography? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely mostly black and white. Um, again, started as kind of like this, I could develop it myself, and so it was economical, but I really, I, I see that way now. I don't, um, I don't find myself reaching for color very often, even in the, you know, going to somewhere like Mexico City. I got there, and I was like, oh, like, I probably should have brought some color film. Like, that's a vibrant city, and but it's just not the way that I see things. So I was, I'm happy, that, I'm happy with what I got. Yeah. Um, new things though, definitely. I want to try um, a lot of stuff on the post, like the uh, the post processing side of things, like printing and that kind of thing. But with photography itself, I would really like to try. You mentioned infrared film. Some black and white infrared would be something I'd really love to to experiment with, especially in four by five. I, I love the um, like the I don't really know how it works exactly, but I love the like really highlight highlighted greens and. Mm-hmm. I think otherworldly look to it i really love to play around with that some um and the i guess and the printing side of things and i know suzanne this is one of the first things we talked about with uh with film was lift printing and darkroom techniques in general i don't have a darkroom currently so i'm um i'm somewhat limited with what i can do i've been doing a lot of cyanotypes for that reason because i can use uv lights um yep and one kind of just lean into that since i don't have the darkroom space get it uh get into some platinum, uh, platinum, palladium printing, just all these alternative methods of uh, contact printing. I think they're also fascinating. Yeah, that's so awesome. So awesome. Well, I mean, even you talked about your limitations with not having a darkroom, but cyanotypes themselves are just, they're so simple, but they, it's so fascinating that you can get an image just from two well i don't know julie and i have a a cyanotype kit and it's just two liquids that you put together and hydrogen peroxide and it's like or water even and it's like yeah it's so simple but so beautiful at the same time yeah Yeah, it really is mind-blowing how how easy it is you know i uh whenever i first did one i was like painstakingly measuring with my little syringe like you know 10 ml of this and uh, now i just put it in the cap dump it in (laughs) (laughs) great that's cool julie was just uh looking up uh, i think it was yesterday or the day before about caffeinol and Mm -hmm. uh that it doesn't have to be that precise either uh you just kind of pour in you know (laughs) a relative tablespoon of this and a relative tablespoon of that and mix it all together and it makes an image so it's uh one of the coolest nature things about analog photography is the i don't know it just seems so variable and living (laughs) Mm -hmm. um anyways well uh julianne and suzanne before i get into any of my questions i want to hand it over to you guys so do you have any particular questions you want to ask elliot um before i you know start asking anything you can go first suzanne Oh, okay. Um, so we never I'm, know who's supposed to talk. So yeah, either one. We never know. We're like, I'll let you guys fight it out. <laughs> right. Um, so you said that you found a combination that you really liked on the FOMA with the developer. So yeah. I, I also actually started shooting with that because of the cost. I'm shooting an Arista, which I know is FOMA. Yeah. And I hated it at first because I kept getting blown out highlights. And then Eric from Conspiracy of Cartography. He's like, I love it with F76 plus. So that's kind of the developer that I've been using, but I'm totally curious what developer you use with your FOMA. Yeah, um, I'm, I use Rodenmall 
um, for the most part. I did use a little D76 for a while, but I found it was a little bit, I don't know, aggressive maybe. It was high, I had like really high accutants and it's really grainy. Um, I had the same issue with, uh, not exactly the same with, with Fomapan, but similar whenever I would develop it. And it has a lot to do with the film not being its advertised speed. So it just took a while to like kind of figure out what I needed to do with it. But okay. uh, I'm currently usually doing just like a one to 50 ratio um, and doing really mild agitation seems to really help with the, with the Fomapan to not like have it go crazy off in those contrast, like super contrasty. And that was, this is a real challenge. So I'm originally from Tennessee. I moved from Nashville to Colorado a couple of years ago. And it was, it was a big challenge going from um, a lot of overcast kind of soft lights to Colorado, which is just hard light all the time, you know, blue mm. skies, sunshine. Um, that was a real challenge, especially in the black and white side of things to figure out how am I exposing film in a way that's tasteful still. And yeah, mostly rodinal. I have done some, um, some four by five and one and 100 uh, and it's a, like a semi-stand development which oh. seems to work fairly well also it's a little grainier though so I don't typically do that with the medium format but it works it works well in the in the large format how long do you usually develop it for with the one to 50 so it's the one well. to 50 I do 14 minutes um, okay for the 400 I haven't I don't think I've done that method for the 200 because I, I shoot that 200 speed for four by five just because it's, it's already on a tripod so i just i don't need extra speed yeah and then the one to 100 i believe i do 22 minutes and i just do like uh i'll do you know your initial i do 30 seconds initial agitation and then i will do i don't do it every minute after that i have to look at my notes i want to say i do it every four minutes i'll do just like oh. a 10 second agitation. so it's 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 not very traditional um and I don't remember where I read that somewhere, but it's, uh, yeah, I read someone recommended that on the internet somewhere. And so I've been sticking to that and it seems, seems to work fairly well to kind of yeah. reduce, reduce some contrast and, um, yeah, have a little bit, um, lighter shadows as well. And I, I got, I still haven't used it. I think I talked to you about this a while ago. I got a, uh, a densitometer and, and oh, yeah. all, all the stuff to, to do all the testing with the, the foam and pan and to figure out console atom style like how this works um, and i haven't done it i've done some cursory like just very unscientific tests on it and i'm not too far off so i was kind of happy with that but uh, yeah that I'll is cool whenever i have more data <laughs> was it was it you that told me about the new densitometer that is being created there's a guy who's making a new one like no i don't think so it's no, i can't no. remember where i heard about that but um it was interesting and i don't think he even has a prototype out yet but but it's something that I'm very interested in and getting to learn like especially going into the darkroom is learning how to read my negatives better so I can start off with a more educated guess on okay I mean I always do my my test strip and I start and I've gone to the zone um no not zone what's it called f-stop f-stop uh printing method so you think in terms yeah. of I, before I was so randomly guessing but I know that if you know your your negative quality better you can translate that into less mistakes in the yeah. dark in theory I think yes yeah yeah um I had I had one more and then Julie I will pass it on so your I'm I like have one of your pictures did you use FOMA with the R session uh, I did yes that was from a pen 200 yeah. Okay. Oh, it's so gorgeous. Those I 
Absolutely. I'm so happy to have those pictures. I can't even tell you. Yeah. Um, we, Elliot, for anybody who's listening, Elliot ha- and I had a, a portrait session. So we did four large format. He shot four large format uh, portraits of, of me. And they are like, so they're just amazing. Like seeing what that camera can do. I'm like, I definitely have to do this at some point. I wasn't quite ready. And I, I think now I'm ready, but I'm going to take a class on it. The the CPAC has a class that I, oh. it just was offered, but I wasn't ready to jump in yet. But I think one at the end of the year so that I have a more formal, okay, this is what you do. This is what you need. Uh, somebody who recommended the class to me said that they definitely give you a good breakdown of just like bare minimum. Like this is really all you need to start. So you're not like, yeah. you know, sometimes when you get into something new, you're like, I don't really know. Yeah. what I need and you might overbuy and I don't want to overbuy. So, but definitely your images sold me on that look because it's just such a unique look. I mean, is that what drew you to the large format is the look or yeah. was it pink green or? Definitely. Um, there's actually uh, a guy in Greeley up in Colorado. So he's not too far away, uh, but I found before I even moved out here, he, it's a lot of color, color negative and um, slide film on four by five. And he has a blog on it. And I was just fascinated by the photos he took from it, especially with the movements. Like the movements were really the thing that attracted me to it was the idea of um, taking landscapes. And I really could not find a way to replicate this in any way with, with other camera formats. You can get tilt shift lens and do a little bit, but uh, no, there's just something so special about um, also about, you know, having, so if I shot, if I, whenever I go up to the mountains and I shoot landscapes, I'll usually take my 90 millimeter lens, which is like 28 millimeters roughly. If you're shooting 35 millimeter, it's pretty wide, uh, but it just doesn't have the distortion that the, that the 28 millimeter would have. And it's just so, it's so clean and yeah. And, and it was noticeable um, as well. And also, you know, if I, if I have a 200 millimeter lens I could take up and that's, what would that be like a 60 millimeter, 70 millimeter roughly? I don't know. Something like that. And I can, if I wanted to, I can, um, you know, tilt my lens or my or my my back of the back of the camera to have uh, so much more depth of field than I would normally have with the lens that long. It's just something you'd have to stop down to, you know, f twenty two or something if you were shooting on a thirty five millimeter camera. But I can shoot at lower apertures and still have this like really wide depth. I can get that flower in the foreground and the mountains in the background, which is really I I just think there's nothing like it and you can't quite replicate it. So that's, I, I know I'll learn more when I take a class, but is that, because I think you were t- telling me, so you're, you have your camera with the bellows here. And so mm-hmm. all you're doing is just tipping it and that's what's giving you more depth of field or? Yeah. So you have, uh, you can do tilt, that tilting would be what I'm doing mostly in, um, in landscape. So that's uh, um, taking the, I guess that would be the the horizontal axis running through the lens and you can kind of tilt it up and down. Okay. Um, and it's, it's essentially shifting the, how close, if you think about like whenever you, whenever you focus to infinity, you know, your, your lens gets closer to your film plane, you're focusing okay. closer, it gets farther away. So it's, it's shifting the upper and lower parts of the, of the, the lens and the image further and closer to the, oh. the you know, film. So you can have um, something maybe in your foreground, you could have it, um, um, in focus while also getting something that's way out in the in the distance in focus also. That would be the tilt. You can also do rises and falls, and I don't use those as much, but the tilt is really, and the swings sometimes. You can do the same thing on the vertical axis and kind okay. of shift to the other direction, which is really cool. Without really distorting it. 
Yeah, I mean, you can distort it for sure if you overdo it, and sometimes it's fun. I think I did in some of the, the portraits that I took of you. Uh, the one, um, I'm trying to remember, I believe you're the one where you are holding the, I don't remember what camera you're holding. I think maybe my rolly. Your rolly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and there's like the river running to yes. the uh, to the left of the of the frame. Yes. And I really wanted this really soft ethereal look to it, so I, I purposefully shifted um, um, the the film plane so that it was like really out of focus and created like this really like blurred element to it more so than I could get with just opening the lens all the way up um, kind of intentionally did that to give it a really soft dream like so, that is so yeah. cool so do you see that when you look because you're looking through ground glass right Absolutely, do you actually yeah. see that effect when you're doing it or do you just know it now because you shot Definitely. so much yeah, and I'll use like, so, you, you know, you use like a loop to check your negatives, that kind of thing. I do the same thing on the ground glass because it's just such uh -huh. a big piece. Like, it's hard to like really take everything in. So I'll use a, like a 10 by loop and I'll, I'll put it on different parts of the ground glass. And okay. Oh my gosh, that's fascinating. Okay. <laughs> I'm definitely going to be picking your brain more when I get this <laughs> stage. Yeah. No, you're shooting with an Intrepid, right? Yes, I am. That's okay. uh, purely a lightweight uh, decision. I I backpack uh, times with it, and it's one of the lightest ones I've found. It's not the sturdiest, to be honest. It's uh, it's a little bit flimsy, but it's it's about three pounds without a lens on it, so I'm happy enough with that. And it has all the movements, which is interesting. It is. That's cool. Yeah. I, I'm talking like I know what I'm talking about, and I really don't. Because <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm mainly a 35 millimeter shooter, so. <laughs> yeah. No, I've. Figured it out as I've gone along, you know, picked up books and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's just a lot of fun. It's, it's, you know, it's the joy of, of analog photography. You get to experiment with things and yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Well, Julie, uh, well, first of all, Suzanne, or, okay. Yep. You're yep. all good? Good. Uh, Julie, let's uh, pass it on to you. Well, I was just wondering how, what made you go from your first cameras, which were 35 millimeter up? Hmm to your Rolly and then your Intrepid? Yeah, that's a good question. So I got a, I had the opportunity to buy a Yashica map for really cheap. Uh, whenever I had that, the Canon FTB, my first camera, I picked up this Yashica map and really liked it. It took really lovely photos. Um, I think it was, I want to say it was a 124 was the model. I can't remember. Um, really loved shooting with it. Like the, 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 the form factor of using the twin lens reflex camera uh, I didn't appreciate how much I liked it at the time, I don't think, because I, I eventually got rid of it. Um, I traded it in for a Mamiya C220. is another TLR, but it's a little bit different. It has, like, bellows and interchangeable lenses. A mm -hmm. gorgeous camera. It takes incredible, just one of the, one, some of the best lenses I've ever shot with on those. I agree. <laughs> They're incredible. But uh, I had that for a while. It was, I, I shot with that for a long time, and I eventually was like, you know, I've got a, I've got to try a Hasselblad. So I got a Hasselblad um, 500 uh, CM, I think it was. And that's the only camera that exceeds the, the Mamiya and, and sharpness. I, nice. I did a, I remember doing a test on it and I just took a picture of a, of a drywall, just like white, painted white. And I, I developed it and looked at it with my, with my loop and I could see like little pinholes in the drywall. And I was like, this is, this is just too sharp. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I love that camera. It was a great landscape. Um, camera, interchangeable lenses, love shooting with it. But I realized whenever I had it, I was like, I really miss the twin lens reflex, like just the way that it shoots, how quiet it is, how easy it is to carry around. 
Um, and it, it took me a while to finally like come to terms with it. So I was like, no, I think I missed the, the twin lens. And if I'm going to do a twin lens, I may as well do it right and get a really flex. And so, yeah, that's been my, my camera ever since. I, I love how quiet it is. It's, um, it's also, it's like kind of have this art deco aesthetic to it. So people just like talking about it. Like everyone has questions about it. And, uh, it's true. I, I found the Hasselblad to maybe be too similar looking to people that didn't know what it was to a, to a video camera or to like a, a, oh, a cinema yeah. camera or something. So I, I found it, and it also just has the loudest mirror mirror slap you've heard. So it's just very, um, it was very obvious whenever I'd walk around with it and use it. It was uh, definitely never incognito. <laughs> kachunk. <laughs> yeah, kachunk, and just and it looks like I'm videoing people and they just get uncomfortable. And the Rolex, like people are just curious about it and um yeah it's a great conversation starter that's true have you had many people ask you do they still make film oh yeah absolutely do you get that? yeah yeah no i had someone that when i was in mexico city uh, asking me about it and i don't i speak enough spanish to get by but this was this conversation was uh, without context so i wasn't exactly <laughs> i knew they were asking about the camera but i think that was the gist was like asking how i got filmed it was it was beyond my uh my repertoire of spanish <laughs> Sure. <laughs> yeah so you were then shooting medium and then at some magical moment you decided yeah. to get an intrepid yeah so i i went to before i even got the medium format camera i knew i knew art, or um i knew large format was something i wanted to do eventually but landscape stuff especially i took a i took a 35 millimeter to yellowstone with me at one point and did did my very best with the with the 35 millimeter that I could, but I definitely like walked away from it going like I took some beautiful photos. I, I love them still, and it was color. This was before my black and white um, craze started. They're just really lovely photos, uh, but I definitely walked away from it going like mm, I wanted those movements. I wanted a, I wanted a little more resolution. Really was what I wanted because I, I I remember I took one of uh, overlooking a, like a valley with uh, I don't remember what. It's what it was called in, in Yellowstone, like just like this little stream, and there was some bison up on a ridge and a storm rolling in. And I was like, I, and you can kind of see it in the 35 millimeter. You can make it out if you look at it close enough and blow it up on a screen. But I was like, yeah, this is this was like this was a shot for for four by five, you yeah. know, to have that, that level of resolution. But um, and then I, whenever I, when did I get a four by five? I guess I, actually, whenever I moved to Colorado, I was like, it's time. I have all this beautiful scenery around me. It's time to make that that leap and yeah I've just been learning about it as I go I have a a wide oh, I mentioned the wide angle that I typically hike with and just a portrait lens as well like the only two lenses that I have and it's, it's a lot of fun nice that's interesting that you said earlier that you usually use a 90 millimeter hmm. is that right yeah for landscapes I do definitely yeah only interesting I mean Whatever lens you use is interesting. That came out wrong. But I have just my old speed graphic, and I also got a Cambo, which I don't enjoy, but it came with six different lenses. One of them is a 90. I don't know anything about these things, so I'm just like, I wonder what this would do. So yeah. um, Stephen Marmoroff made me a bunch of lens boards for my speed graphic, and Mario helped me to mount all of the cambo lenses and wow. i just went outside and i put different ones on and um the 90 infinity is inside the body of the camera and i was like whoa but it works 
So I took pictures, and the rails are in the photos. Yeah. Like you, it looks like a dead-end train track coming into yep. the photo. And yeah. I was like, cool. Well, it worked. Um, but, you know, the speed graphic doesn't have a drop bed, which I did not know what that meant um, until I have a the, the jewel that I recently got. It has a drop bed, and when, when the cameraman showed me that, I was like, discard from brain, don't know what that means, don't know what that's for. And then when I saw the rails in my picture, I was like, ah, oh, drop bed. Yeah. Would have taken those out. <laughs> I also tried a 300 millimeter lens. I did click that in too. And that one doesn't probably work. Not, probably not quite enough bellows for it, right? Yeah, I have like yeah. nine inches of bellows and I think you need 14. Yeah, yeah, you have, um, you'd have to have 300 millimeters to get an infinity focus on it. Yeah. I was I sad about that. I think that's the close to the maximum my Intrepid can go out is like 340 or something. So I don't shoot wow. anything usually above a, a 210. You get trade-offs. I don't know what your what your speed graphic would have. They're 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 press cameras, so probably not not much. Uh, but usually you kind of trade some some bellow travel for portability and lightweight ease of use. Yeah. Yeah, because like you said, with the 90 millimeter, you're it's like it's all the way back. That's that's. Most of my shooting happens with that, so I don't really need a super long bellows. It's a lot of wide-angle lenses, and yeah, it's fun to try. You know, just click them in. I want to um, have Mario help me make a lens board and screw a 35 millimeter camera lens on and see go. what happens. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe funny. nothing would happen. I have no idea, but I want to try it. Have anyway. a nice one yet, maybe. <laughs> I. So that is really interesting. You mentioned that I do. I have one other lens that I forgot about. It's uh, it's a. What did I take it off of? It was like a, an old Kodak plate camera. I think it was that I that I got in a, a bundle of film stuff I bought, and it was just a bunch of assorted stuff. And I just kind of was weeding through it, and the camera was it's not usable. It's old, and they don't make you know plates anymore for it. So I was like, well, this lens looks fun. Um, and so I cannibalized it and took the lens off and I have it on a lens board and it's about the size of a nickel like it's the smallest lens and I and it didn't have any markings on it so I had no idea what uh, focal length it was just by like experimenting with it I, I think it's about 100 millimeters maybe a little more um, but I was shocked to see you know even though I, I it was probably have been for something like six by nine film it just barely covers my four by five uh, film plane and it 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 takes the most interesting photos they're not they're definitely not sharp and it, i think the fastest shutter speed it has is like 150th of a second or something like that so not sharp not um easy to focus but it's it's very interesting that's so fun that you can do that with uh with four by five yeah let me know how the 35 millimeter goes yeah it would just look so cool yeah and the speed graphic looked awesome with the 300 millimeter lens i was like this should just have glamour headshot none of it it looked so cool i was <laughs> racking it out and out and out and out and i'm like darn there's no place where you can see anything but my this camera huge lens on the on the lens board yeah yeah it was on um the big cambo lens board like a big metal one and it had this little um i don't know what it's called a little thing that connected it so you could use it with a flash whatever that word is for that yeah so I took it to have um, 
the camera repairman take it off because I didn't know if I was going to break something. And he's like, what are you going to do with this, taking it off the lens board? And I was like, I'm going to put it on my speed graphic. And he just looked at me really funny. And he was like, well, you've done other things that I didn't think would work. So I guess I won't <laughs> tell you that won't work. I was like, you were right. I'm going to have to tell him next time you were right. That didn't work. I'll save it. I bet it would uh, it'd probably be a good, I mean, I don't know what the coverage is, but if you ever get an 8x10, I'd be set. So. I'm going to build one eventually. That's so fun. And that's what I am. So I'm going to use that. I think that's the minimum lens that you can use, right, for an 8x10. So you can definitely use wider lenses. They just have to be made to have an image circle wide enough for the for the film. It'd have to be specifically an eight eight by ten lens, but you can. Um, I don't. I'm not as familiar with it, but you can definitely get some wider lenses, like a, a 150s and that kind of thing, that are like your wide angle lenses. I think 300 is like your normal lens on on eight by tens, like a 50 millimeter or something like that. Yeah. Do you think you'll get an eight by ten? I would love to. Um, I'm not sure what I need to have a little more vision for it before I do, because I'm like I'm not going to take it backpacking realistically. Um, so I'm not sure what it's, what it's, um, what it's mission would be. Cause if I'm getting something for portraits, you know, I might get something different than if I was trying to get a field camera. So who knows, maybe I, I've, I've, I've definitely, uh, been very interested for a long time in 10 type and bro type stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it's always kind of in the back of my mind like that'd be fun. Well, those are fun. You should, Mario got me some 10 types. Right, that's mm -hmm. what they were called. They're not called something different, right? Yeah, no. I'm that I'm guy. Over, aren't Ar Ar Spock? I think uh, okay. over in with zebra plates. Yeah, this is company. You can, he does glass plates Tonight. as well, but you just you can shoot them in your regular four by five. You just get a yeah. glass plate that? holder with adapters. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I should I should try it. I'm I'm a little scared. I think of the chemicals uh, involved in it. I haven't I haven't committed enough to it because I've heard they're quite uh, quite intense. But you mean to you mean pouring your own? Uh, for the uh, for the ten types, yeah, the, all the yeah to coat the the plate and all that. I've heard they're quite um, fume fume heavy. Mm. Uh, and I don't have a great place to do it right now. So maybe <laughs> maybe at another point in my life. Yeah, the ones that we got are already coated. All you do is shoot them. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah. So if you you don't have to have the fumes, he has the fumes. Oh, okay. how <laughs> I didn't realize that was an option. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's on. It's Zebra Plates is the company okay. that you can get them from. But they're we've only done two so far, but yeah. it is a totally different look. It's really cool. Yeah, it's, I'm sure. And all, all we developed it in was HC110 plus one extra chemical that we got off the photographer's formulary that you have to use, to, I think, to make it a positive or something like that. I can't remember what it, what it is, but um, it was a really easy process. Cool. Um, yeah. Well, Julie, do you have any more? I don't want to butt in. Not yet. I've talked enough. Okay. Blathering. <laughs> no, no, no worries. <laughs> Uh, so, Elliot, um, I know we're talking a lot about large format photography, and I'll get into that in just a little bit. But what I want to focus on a little bit is just your photography itself, the photographs. Mm -hmm. I was looking through your Instagram, you know, feed, and I know I said this earlier, but it's just the quiet nature of your photography. And I want to focus especially on your portraiture. 
My goodness, Elliot, <laughs> you take some amazing portraits. And I think yeah. a lot of them are people that you already know, your um, your wife, your kids, yeah. uh, your siblings, I think I saw, and uh, maybe your dad, um, yeah. your mom, yeah. and some other people, Suzanne, obviously. Um, what do you like about portrait photography? What gets you to what gets you into it, and how do you get the gusto to ask somebody to take their portrait? Well, like you said, that most of them are people that I know. So okay. I'm I'm definitely not the most um, outgoing photographer. Like I love the idea of street photography, but uh, realistically, I'm not I'm not the most like just outgoing and ready to put myself out there. I'll I'll do it sometimes, but not my favorite. So generally it's people I know. And I remember um, whenever I was first getting into photography, I remember reading, and I don't remember how it goes, but an Annie Leibovitz quote just saying, if you want to be good at photography, take pictures of your family. Mm. Like that was her advice was like, take pictures of the people around you. And um, yeah, I, I would say normally whenever I take portraits, I don't often ask people, hey, can I take your portrait? Come over here, sit here. Um, it's usually going about, my day or whatever I'm doing. And I almost always have a camera with me and seeing a moment and then saying like, pause, hold still like, like, or go back to that or move over here. The light's really lovely here. Would you mind like moving your head a little bit kind of thing? That's usually, um, usually how it goes. Uh, I think honestly, Suzanne doing that portrait session with you was one of the more structured, um, just portrait sessions that I've done. And it, it, it it's not something that I, I feel like super confident in actually like, like I want you to do this right now. I want you to do this. I much prefer to watch a moment unfold and um, yeah, find, find that special moment or see that special moment. That's a lot of my photos are of my kids. That's definitely how it is. Um, they do not hold still when I ask them to, but <laughs> I ask them nonetheless. Uh, so it's, it's, that's again, that gets back to that role. It's like, why I love it so much. It's fast. I can just kind of whip it out and like take the photo real fast and get it get what I need um yeah just just and this is I, I really think like at the heart of the way I think about photography it's and or why I love it so much is it's just a discipline and the art of looking and seeing mm -hmm. um and that's I think that would be how I'd sum up the way that I take portraits just like always be looking always like be seeing um and paying attention to those 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 moments and, and acting on it I still don't do it as much as I wish I would like in those moments where like, that would be a great picture. I definitely like let some of those moments pass by and like don't do anything, but yeah. Um, um, as far as like looking and seeing and just being in that moment and being ready for that moment, do you find that, you know, you're, mo you're moving into medium format and finally into large format that, uh, that it's become a, maybe a little bit more difficult to, to see something that you want to take a photo, but ha have equipment that maybe is a little bit more prohibitive as far as time yeah. and getting things set up. No, that's, that's definitely not so much with medium format, um, but definitely with large format. It's one of the harder things about it is definitely, you know, you set your camera up, um, you can get all your, you take your exposure, you set your focus, you check your focus with the loop under your like dark cloth, and then you have yeah. to close the lens, and then you put the film holder in, and you take it out, and you take the picture. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely time consuming, and I have noticed that uh, initially, whenever I started doing it, and I would still say this is the case, I don't think my 4x5 photos are ever as good as they probably would have been, say, if I were shooting with a, a 
it's like a digital camera uh, in the sense of like compositionally, like I would have changed this or this or moved this here. So I, I definitely find that I'm like, um, it's harder to notice those things whenever you're just like taking one shot and you're putting all that effort into it because we have this, uh, or at least I have this tendency to, whenever I put a lot of time into something, I get very attached to the idea of it. Um, yeah. And I can convince myself, this is a great photo. This is like exactly what I want. And then I'll look back on it later, but like, no, nah, you should have probably like framed it differently here or adjusted your exposure there. Yeah. Um, so four by five portraits are a challenge for sure. Because, I mean, not only all that, but you're, subject has to just kind of sit there and sit still for um for a while and it, it can be it can be tricky for sure yeah yeah it's the film itself is you know modern film is speedy enough that the exposure itself won't take that long but it's the setup yep. that takes a while so and that's something that i'm gonna have to learn i'm, I'm gonna well i just recently asked um some people at a bike shop that i like to go to um they they fixed my or I have a road bike and they worked on it, got it all ready for me to ride. And I incidentally asked, I, it was after I got my speed graphic, I said, hey, I'd love to photograph you guys in your shop because they have, you know, old bikes and yeah. all kinds of stuff. And I just think it'd be kind of, you know, kind of a cool photo. Um, and they, they were all on board. So it's, I'm going to have to get my mind geared up for getting everything set up. Yeah. And of course in a dark room it's not going to be outside it's going to be in a, in a dark room so it'll be i think maybe a little bit easier to see through the ground glass because i won't have the outside light out you know bright sunlight coming in it's in a pretty dark dark room but i'm i'm excited <laughs> yeah i mean i really do believe four by five just makes makes you a better photographer you just a large format in general you just have to get like you said you have to like know what you want before you set the camera up and you have to be able to see it and yeah, yeah. it's it's a fun challenge for sure have you shot any um, color film in a four by five i have not i have a box of um of ektar that i really want to shoot i was given to me for um my wife gave it to me for our anniversary back in october uh, because the, the aspen trees are beautiful here in that time and i've just been so um what's the word just like i'm not procrastinating but i'm just nervous to shoot it because i've never done color film and i make a lot of mistakes shooting shooting black and white and color negative four by five film is not cheap right uh, so i i'm i'm preparing myself as autumn rolls around again this year to, to be ready ready for it i have 10 sheets i'm going to be doing some hiking hopefully and get some good shots i got some graduated nd filters and all my all the stuff i feel like i needed to be confident in my photos <laughs> awesome well i've got some ektar i've got a bo box of ektar and then portra 160 and i'm looking forward to yeah. using those as well um i was gonna ask you about developing your four by five because i you know julie shot four by five much longer than i've even ventured into it um and she's basically tray developed it because it's mm -hmm. black and white it's not you know not as temperature sensitive as yeah. color negative film um, how do you develop your four by five film? Uh, so yeah, like I said, I don't have a dark room, so I use a. It's called a. I believe it's it's Stearman, I think is the brand. It's a little. It holds four sheets of film. Mm -hmm. It's very small. It's smaller than my uh, my like more uh, medium format roll. It, it keeps the film flat um, and takes like five hundred ml of of uh, developing chemicals and I can load it in my dark bag, 
load all the film up and then take it out and it's, I can develop it in, in light. And it's, it's worked pretty well. I, I, the, the tray developing is, is super nice because you can develop individual sheets if you want to. Yeah. Uh, and I could do individual sheets in this. It just feels like a waste of chemicals because I put 500 milliliters of chemicals in there. So I usually will save up four sheets and then do it all together. Yeah. Right. Um, do you know if the Stearman Press, because uh, we, we just got one, but we ha- oh, yeah. well, I haven't you used it yet. You didn't get the same kind, though. We got the the 8x10 developing daylight tray. Oh, cool. Yeah, I saw that. Okay. So do you know um, if that if it kind of keeps the temperature of your chemicals, like if, if you have a regular 35 millimeter developing tank or 120, the plastic ones are, they have an insulative property, just the plastic itself. So it, I've noticed that it does keep the temperature pretty stable over the course of the development time. Is it the same for the, for the Stearman press? Yeah, with within reason, I would say whenever I do the uh, the one to one hundred grid non develop, development that's like twenty two minutes long, I will usually just get a um, like some dish or something to put a larger a larger amount of twenty degrees Celsius yeah. water in just to kind of uh, and I'll do my rotations and just put it back in it just to help stabilize it a little bit. Okay. I've never had an issue with it, but if I'm doing if I'm doing like one to one fifty where it's um, fourteen minutes, I don't bother with that usually, but with the oh. longer ones. I'll just put oh. it in some, in some water. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Well, I just really love the fact that you're doing this large format photography. And if there's any advice that you have that you can think of, you know, right now for any of our listeners who haven't ventured into uh, large format photography, like myself, <laughs> if, if there's any uh, just general advice that you have, just go ahead and come out with it and it's fine. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I feel like I'm still so new to it. Uh, I would take your time ex- um, checking exposure yeah. and develop some system of uh, however you want to do that, however you meter uh, or meter for the shadows, develop for the highlights, whatever you do. Yeah. Um, I use a sloppy version of the zone system. but um, And then check your focus really, really well. I think like it's that's one of the biggest challenges, I think, anyway, of shooting um, large format is focusing. You know, you're under a dark cloth, and it's if you're outside and the wind's blowing, and you're just like kind of like huddled up against the camera trying to see, and uh, and you're never, almost never, shooting wide open. I'll, I'll usually focus wide open as best I can, then stop down to whatever I'm shooting at, 16 or red, just trying to my best to see. Just take your time and check all your corners and all that just yeah take your time and look at everything it's kind of hard to see uh the full images you would imagine you're just looking at it and you can kind of see everything that our eyes can only really focus on one thing at once so just Mm -hmm. being intentional about like kind of looking over the whole thing yeah it's a little easier with a 35 millimeter viewfinder because yeah it's a lot smaller but one thing i have to say just from what i've noticed so far i'm 46 and my eyesight has changed uh once i once I hit 40, my eyesight started changing. So where my my long range view, I I see perfectly fine, just like I was, you know, earlier on. But it's my close up close up stuff. It's hard to see. So the you can't see in the ground glass. <laughs> yeah, the curtain. Oh yeah, the curtain Without itself. Glasses. Yeah, the curtain. <laughs> yeah, the cool. curtain itself here is too close for me to to focus on. I have to like back uh, way far away or else use reading reading glasses or magnifiers. So just wait for that, Elliot. 
<laughs> you got another 14 years. <laughs> yeah. Take advantage of it while you have it. <laughs> uh, well, there was, I'm looking through your Instagram feed. There was one picture, you know what? I, I took a screenshot of it because I just thought it was such, yeah. <laughs> such a cool photo. And it was when you went back home <laughs> and you've got somebody's, I don't know who it is, but somebody's feet with some horse's feet. Oh yeah, it's my sister. <laughs> Oh, that's your sister. Okay. I just thought yeah. that was such a, a cool photo and almost like a portrait of a different yeah. part of the body. <laughs> yeah. So what's the yeah. story behind that photo? Uh, so back in Nashville, uh, kind of the outskirts of Nashville, but my, my family lives next to just this, this sweet old lady that has a horse that she can't really, she takes care of it, but she can't ride it or anything. And so my, my sister, I would go over and kind of keep the, the horse company. And I, I, I heard that and I, I grew up riding horses and stuff. So I was, when I grabbed my camera, I was like, I'm going to go take pictures of this because it just sounds cute. Yeah. Uh, the framing though, I, I'm, I'm looking at it now. I, I, I've had a lot of fun taking these. Um, she, she doesn't like being photographed. So that was part of it. <laughs> uh, so the other two where she's, her face is in it. She didn't like, again, the joy of the real effect. She did not I'm always pointing cameras at my family, so they're kind of desensitized to it. I joke about this, that I, I only take a photo 10% of the time. The rest of the time, I'm just training them. Um, <laughs> to <ignore me. laughs> but So those, I don't think she realized that I was taking them, uh, but the, I did ask her to stand still for the for the first one there. And uh, yeah, just kind of, I love Vivian Meyer. You know, if you're shooting with a Rolly Flex, and she tended to, I, I, I've noticed she focused a lot on people's hands and their feet. Yeah. Um, and that, and I guess where my brain was going with that. I try to do something like that. I loved the 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 boots with the shorts and then the, the horse hoof. I thought that was fun. <laughs> Such a cool photo. Um, what other photo that I just really liked? I mean, I, I love a lot of your photos. The one with the snail is really, really yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> that was perfect That was, photo. Uh, oh, man, I got to go find that. I haven't seen that one in a while. That was, uh, I think that was on the Hasselblad. Okay. Yeah. And we'll make sure to put these up on the uh, Instagram site for the Gen X Photography Podcast. But the other one that I was just really fascinated with, you, you um, said somewhere in Chicago on the Rolly Flex and poorly developed Foma pen. Yeah. I don't know what, what's poorly developed about it. I just love these photos. They have a, a really good classic look to them. Well, so <laughs> I um, The story with that is I have uh, I have a, a Patterson tank that I can put two rolls of 120 film in and develop mm -hmm. them at the same time. And I was just, I don't know what, where my brain was that day. I poured five, it takes a, a liter of developing chemistry and I was just not paying attention and poured 500 in oh. as if I was developing <laughs> one roll. So it was like, it's streaky and kind of like partially developed. And, and okay. Yeah. So that's what was, and I realized it as I poured the, um, the stop bath in because of course I poured a liter of stop bath and I was like, wait a second, this is, Oh no. Uh, there's two eight. <laughs> yeah. Well, it came out really well in my Where opinion. Where was this one? How far down is it? I'm looking for it, honestly. It was uh, not, probably not super far. Uh, yeah, it was. Prolific poster. I was trying to look for it. I'm, I'm glad I took a screenshot of it because. Uh, I like your, your reels of your quiet photos that Mario also liked. But yeah. I, I'm the same way. I feel like your whole collection is just. It's just so calming. It is. Just, it really is. They're so beautiful. Like the, all of them. They're amazing. I just came across one that I love of your daughter on the the play. She's on the playground, 
standing at the top of the slide and you're looking up at her and her hair is like blowing around her face. That's like such a timeless. I would love to have one of my kids like that. Yeah. Like, so I, wish I, was, I bet they'd pose for you still. <laughs> yeah, no. They may be big, but. Do you know that, that it's like it pulling funnier. teeth? I, yeah. We cannot get, so, you know, Farron lives with us. She's right next door, so I don't want her to hear me. I'm like, please, I need a model for this 52 frames shot. <laughs> I don't want to do it. And I'm like, oh. but you're oh. perfect. But she posed for Chris, so she'll be in Chris's picture. He took a beautiful picture of her, so I get to reap the benefits of it. But, no, I wish I was a better photographer. I mean, that's kind of when I was learning photography was when my kids were little. And so I have a ton of pictures of them, but none of them that are, like, just like that. Yeah. Oh, like, I love it so much, yeah. It's, I it's, joke that I'm, I'm going to have enough playground photos by the time they're grown to make the little book out of it. Because that's just, you know, I bring, yeah. my, bring a camera to the playground, why not? But uh, no, it's, I really, taking pictures of my kids is probably uh, one of my favorite subjects, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, escapes are fun, but, but looking back at all my photos, the photos that I think are the most meaningful to me are all of my kids. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm the same just, way. And uh, I'm reading uh, Sally Mann's uh, memoir, I guess, or autobiography. Right now. And it's just like, I, I love, love that uh, the way that she just photographed her children's life. I know it's somewhat mm -hmm. controversial, but. Um, I love it too. As well, yeah. Now, thinking about your kids, how old are your kids again? Uh, four and one. Okay. Son's the youngest. Okay. Has your, I know your son's probably a little too young to express an interest but have has your daughter expressed any interest in in what you're doing a little bit she um she has a we got her one of those like toy digital cameras and she'll carry it around to kind of take pictures of anything and everything um she's definitely expressed interest i wouldn't say any more interest than she shows in most things as a four-year-old yeah. who's so curious and yeah right about everything but yeah, I'm, well, I, I will definitely make an effort to at least give them the opportunity to be interested in it uh, at some point. Yeah. Um, that's the hope anyway. Well, and the nice thing is, is that um, because her father, you, um, has an interest, you know, a real interest and a, a definite skill in doing this with all these old cameras, she's going to grow up thinking that that's normal. Yeah. <laughs> and not so weird, you know. And yeah. and maybe come by it a little bit more naturally. So that's that's yeah. that's a pretty cool gift that she has in mm -hmm. that you're doing that in the family. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So. I'm hoping to have a nice little little uh, treasured chest of cameras to pass down at some point. <laughs> That'd be so cool. So cool. Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, Julie and Suzanne, do either of you have any more questions? I don't I have do. anything directly. Okay. I do, but it was like right there, and I was trying to interrupt you mario and then it just saw oh i know what it was it's not a question so much as an observation um and i'm sure your wife is very creative as well since she married you but i noticed through your page that you take you know a lot of photos but you also are into poetry and you also play the guitar so your creativity is not only with your yes. camera, um, which seems to be kind of a theme. Well, there's a lot of people who just you're. Ah, I can't gather my thoughts. I'm sorry. 
like being just a creative person in general, like you are using different outlets for that. Mm -hmm. And that does seem to be something that a lot of photographers share in common, which is really cool. But I love that you have poetry on your pictures Mm because I like poetry too, but I don't talk about it much because I find a lot of people have, a lot of people that I know anyways, have moved away from poetry and things like that and they kind of I get like an eye roll kind of response like there she goes again no one knows what that means like it's called language (laughs) yeah you know yeah poetry and like and its interplay with images I think is really fun because we think about photography being so um, objective and like an expression of the real world and it is to some degree and this is I think uh, you know, I've applied a lot of meaning to why I shoot black and white, like retroactively, but it's, it's kind of that, you know, it's, you know, we read a poem and it's not that it doesn't mean anything. It's that it means something different to everyone. And mm-hmm. I love that about black and white photos at times too, you know, and and this is, um, Ansel Adams talks a lot about this, you know, like having developing an inner eye, you know, what it's not so much about what is in front of you as what you see um, that matters whenever you're taking a black and white image um, and like, and then learning the skill aspect of it is learning how to then translate that into the onto the film and then onto the paper. But um, I, I think there's definitely some, um, at least for me, interplay between poetry and black and white photography for that reason. It leaves something up to the person viewing or the person reading to make some decisions. For sure. Also, I I like um, when I look at pictures that other people took or that I took you know, different times that you look at the same image, it can strike you completely different and you can have a very different response to it. Um, Kind of like a classic book. You know, you read it the first time and it means something because it relates to your life in a certain way and you read it next year and it hits you completely differently. And that's something that definitely makes photography an art, not just yeah. a picture of the way the world is, mm-hmm. yeah. but everybody sees the world differently too. Yeah. You know, 10 yeah. people can look at the same thing and or yeah. experience the same thing and nobody's going to have the same experience. Yeah. No, absolutely. And like being in the mountains, this is something I noticed really early on, like going hiking. It's so beautiful and you have all these smells, you know, or approaching wildflower season here in, in a month or so. Um, smells, sounds, and you're just surrounded by this incredible beauty. And then you sit down, you put a, a, a viewfinder in front of you, and you just can't find it. You know, it's like it's not doing it. You're not getting that. Um, and it was really frustrating uh, initially, and it still is sometimes because like, I am not communicating what I'm feeling here. And that's what I think whenever I started to realize, like, oh, this is more so about what am I seeing here right now than than trying to capture everything here I am trying to um, see something with my inner my inner eye and then communicate that so whether it be you know like changing the way I expose the film or something to convey some mood or element of it it's 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 all so subjective and like what you choose what you choose to like pick out of a scene is is uh different for everyone and and I I love going hiking with other photographers for the same reason because we'll sit and we'll take pictures of the same thing and they'll be entirely different we'll choose different focal lengths different exposures different um you know maybe color versus black and white or something in there yeah they're also different 
Elliot, have you found that, um, like, say you're in that situation, you're hiking up someplace, it's really beautiful, you're hearing the sounds, you're smelling the smells of the evergreens, and it's just all wonderful. It's a wonderful, total sensorial experience. Um, And then you take a photograph and you know that it's not going to be the same, but then you look at the photograph later on and you get a different feeling from the photograph than your when you were there and you almost like like the photograph starts to become something different than your actual experience yeah absolutely yeah those are those are i mean at times those are the best photos you know like where you can kind of create this alternate little reality as to what what happened or what it was like and like i think it's really cool exactly that's so cool well, Elliot, thank you so much for giving your time for us today and, you know, taking yeah. time away from your family. I know they're away right now, but still, it's time away from your family. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, and no, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It's been a real, yeah. real pleasure. So, yeah. so um, maybe be- when Suzanne gets her intrepid. <laughs> yeah, let me know. That's right. We'll, 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 do, a, we'll, do, a, we'll have to do a, another portrait session. We maybe will, we'll, yes. Maybe what we can and do is set up. And then we can do a follow-up yeah. podcast. Yeah, right? I know. Maybe I set know. up a day like, well, hey, even though we're miles apart, we're, Julie and I are here in Vermont and all that, but uh, maybe set up a day that we're all going to shoot 4 by 5 today. Right? <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, you You'll have to give yeah. me a little bit. This, this whole discussion has been so good for me, though, because, like, you guys are talking about Stearman tanks, and I had to, <laughs> had to get on my other computer. I'm like... I have no clue what that is. It's like, but it's good for me to start getting used to the terminal, you know, just this sort of thing. So I can process it better when I do take my class. Well, I think. That's okay. I was going to say, I think when we get off, I'm going to have to look up densitometers because I don't know what that is. Also acutants. I've heard that, but I don't know what acutants is. So, (laughs) you know, you don't need a densitometer. And I really, like I said, I've shot four by five now for, a year and a half or so and I've used it I've used it just enough to know that I'm not making any major errors in the way that I'm exposing and developing my film but I have all of Ansel Adams books and he lays out like these instructions on how to develop like figure out your film's um, true speed and all this stuff and and how to map it out and I just haven't I haven't like sat down and part of part of the problem is you have to expose like so many sheets of film to do it, and I'm just like not not uh, wanting to do that but Definitely not necessary. You can do it the same way you would medium format or 35 millimeter film. You you know, you've been shooting film for a while. You can look at a negative and kind of get a good idea as to whether or not something went wrong. That's um, true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, Ellie, uh, oh, go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. <laughs> um, did you or maybe you did you guys see my post about that movie Grain called Grain Analog Renaissance? No, I don't so, think I did. Yeah, you see, so you can get it in Denver Public Library. Okay. Um, Elliot, so good. Okay. You guys have to find it. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't think it's out for white. Like it's not streaming anywhere. Yeah. It's called Grain Colon Analog Renaissance. And my oh. like Denver Public Library couldn't find it. There's one like up in Douglas or Thornton or something, but they wouldn't loan it out. Like they wouldn't do interlibrary loan. Oh. And then the guy at Denver Public Library was fantastic. Like he got back to me two weeks later. He goes, I finally found it. We have three copies. Oh, but cool. they had put in the whole title. So he was putting in the, just like grain or no, they just had grain, but he was putting in the whole thing. So worth it. Anybody okay, listening, no. if you can find it. I found out about it from Denise. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, cool, cool. she posted about. I'm like, I need to see this movie. It was very good. It was very good. But nice, nice. We'll check it out for sure. Uh, Julie, did you have something else? I was just gonna say to Suzanne about she because she's always nervous about trying new things. But yes. like, you can make pictures really fancy, like Elliot makes, which are like Ansel Adams to me. Like when I was looking at your pictures, I was like. These are fine photos. Like, like they are. They're. I, I don't. That's the only word I'm going to use because I don't know a better one. They're very yeah. beautiful. The landscapes, you know, they're they're very beautiful. Very representational of where you were, and and, um, and that requires a lot more skill and like understanding movements and all of the things that you were talking about. But you can also just yourself into large format and yeah. you may or may not get things that you like but I imagine you're going to go the the Elliot the Elliot Adams we're going to call it the Elliot Adams technique Elliot Adams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more like the Salvador Dali technique I think yeah it's like well what will happen I don't know See what happens yeah yeah, but, I, you, know, I know. you can do I mean, any mixture it's not as specific as people say and that drives I me know. nuts like People yeah. will scare you off and say, you can't do this or you have yeah. to have this equipment. And I'm like, guys, don't tell me I can't do something that I already did. Like, it yeah. works. You can shoot yeah. four by five photos with a, a piece of cardstock on the front of a of a box, you know, just doing pinholes or something That's like that. Like, it's really, which I want to try. But, yeah, it's 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 ridiculously simple. And I think that's the charm of it. It's just a light type box with some glass on the front of it. Yes. I'm going to say something that backs up what Julie says. She just did something. She hasn't talked about it on the podcast, but it was amazing. So amazing. So what was it? <laughs> <laughs> so she took a photo with her. I'm going to guess it was one of her graph flexes. On paper, she uses a lot of paper as her as yeah. her film, basically. Yeah. And then she made a positive no she made a, a positive out of that with you know a positive image on paper but then she also made a contact print on film with the paper negative and made a transparency four by five on film with her psh method where she turns on the light for psh amount of time and made a a positive image on on film it was amazing hey, hey. <laughs> So here's what dense, what a dense, whatever that thing is called. <laughs> whatever it was. Here's how you do it. If you're Salvador Dali, you look at your negative, and if it's a lot of darkness on it, then you go, Psh. and if there's not much darkness on it, you go, Psh. <laughs> that's you go. all you need to know. That's simple. <laughs> so awesome. I, I love how precise you are. <laughs> Harry, it's so precise you have no idea how precise but see i even and, get overwhelmed by that because i'm like wait you do what to do what remember we were having a conversation uh, over over text i'm like i i can't do this <laughs> there's no way you can do it suzanne you can do it <laughs> okay thank you for the encouragement <laughs> uh well again elliot thanks so much for coming on the podcast and just chatting with us and uh if people want to find out what your photography is all about where can people find you and your photography uh mostly on instagram is going to be the, the 
place to go for that. It's just my yeah. handle is just my name. So, uh, yeah, Elliot Toller, and I'll be there. Sounds great. Yeah. Julie, where can people find you? JP's Shoebox Walk on Instagram. Nice. Or Flickr, if you do Flickr. Yep. And then you can see entire pictures. Yes. <laughs> if you're interested. Exactly. Suzanne, where can people find you? Uh, probably Instagram is the best sort of initial source. So it's b.roll.backup. Mm -hmm. And I am going to put in a little plug. <laughs> I, I got a new domain name. So I oh, nice. got a new domain with, so I still have my Suzanne Lopez photography, which is completely now just focused on my portraits and my um, client work. And then I created SuzannePeterson.com, which has all of my, it's, it's only for my analog stuff. I did it so, again. It's okay. Oh, <laughs> don't worry. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. I've been both. I've been both people, so it's a. It's all good. Um, so SuzannePeterson.com, but you can go. It's it's all linked on my little Instagram. Um, whatever Squarespace or whoever does those little link tree things. It's yeah. not link tree, but. So yeah, it was fun putting that together. I feel like I'm finally okay. I've got them separated, and they make sense. Before it was all. It was just a big mess. So. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. 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 Yes. Well, I'm I'm so sorry about that. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not worried. Okay. Well, so you can find my work on uh, Instagram, Mario Piper, and also on Flickr. My favorite place is uh, also Mario Piper. Uh, I love Flickr. I'm supporting Flickr. I shout out Flickr. So anyone who wants to <laughs> do Flickr, please do Flickr because it's so much better than Instagram. You but, need a T-shirt. <laughs> Yes. Flicker. <laughs> I support Flickr. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this podcast. And again, Elliot, thank you for joining us. And um, we uh, hope that everybody's having a good time shooting in our you know, spring weather. Looking forward to summer. And uh, so as always, please keep those analog vibes alive. Bye.